ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, we can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening, you're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. for making you wait. We're running a few minutes late. Technical difficulty and I also brought out, broke out into a micro sermon. That was a bigger issue. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good and I Is it just going to be you and I or did did we get a hold of our friend? Did he ever Well, I know. I um, Yes, it's going to be me and I have a, a rather long program so I can uh, really surrender this time to uh, yourself and uh, okay. you know, let you speak about the next nine days. Okay, well, let's do it. You want to open us up in prayer, Brother Gary? Yes, I <laughs> do. And uh, I'd like to say, oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Almighty God, we have a situation now that the next nine days are particularly important upon the hearts of many, and uh, your direction and guidance is needed. And we call upon you to clear the airways and prepare the hearts of our listeners to hear the promises of God, the desires of your people, and to uh, have them set free from the lies and the plans of the enemy that have clouded our minds, our thinking, and at times uh, we've not known what you wanted. So we bring us uh, into the truth and undergird our faith so that we may stand firm as soldiers of God with the full armor of God and uh, let us uh, band together as we defeat the plans of the enemy and we bring forth the plan of God and uh, with all the listeners praying as to what the Lord is talking to you about, when he wants you to do it, what involvement you shall be involved in. And uh, we uh, ask this in these next nine days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Brother Gary, welcome back. And you know, I'm going to start us off with uh, just a little excerpt of an old record. I want you to listen. Everybody, sit tight as we crank this up. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Take a take a gander. Here we go. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. I want this to find its way into your heart tonight. From Hebrews 10:31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a God that's angry. As far back as Moses, he said in Genesis 6:3, "My spirit shall not always strive with man." Paul said in Hebrews 3, "Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart." Meaning there can, according to the word of God, come a time and will come a time that you'll never feel the spirit of God again. There can and possibly may even tonight come a time when you never hear God's voice again. And if you never feel the spirit of God tugging and pulling and drawing you, and if you never hear the voice of God calling you, how are you going to come to God? Jesus himself said no man can come to me except the spirit draw him no man can come to me except the spirit which have sent me draw him but if God lifts his spirit from your life and the spirit of God strives no longer with you how in the world is you ever going to be saved there's a line over which you can step and there's a line that God draws. When God draws a line for your wayward feet and you know the, the way of God and you've heard it and you've been reproved again and again and again and again and rebel and refuse and fail to accept God, watch out. You step over that line with rebellion in your soul, the dead line that God's drawn for you. You'll never be saved in this world or the world to come. God meant exactly what he said when he said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. When you step over that line, you'll never feel the Spirit of God again. When you step over that line, hear me, you'll never hear the voice of God again. How in the world can you ever be saved if the Spirit of God never strives with you and the voice of God never calls you again? Brother Gary, what I was playing for you is an excerpt of a record that was recorded right there at Miracle Valley, Arizona by the late A. E. Allen God's man of faith and power a man that God tapped to take revivals across the country and the world it culminated in a daily radio program called the Hour of Deliverance and then God opened the door for them to begin to do TV and he was literally a pioneer in um, uh, televangelism back then you had to record your service on 16 millimeter film and then you had to take it and you had to make your copies and then if you were going to broadcast this on multiple stations simultaneously somebody had to run this up to the airport brother and they would take it up to the uh, let's say Pan Am desk and they would give it to the pilot in a special case, and he would take it counter to counter, brother, 
And they repeated this at various points. So let's say they were going to get it to Dallas or Atlanta or Los Angeles. And they built their own distribution network, if you will, on the backs of airplanes. And we're talking late 50s going into the 60s. And they began to broadcast a program called Miracles Today. And what a, uh, a correct name that was because they saw miracles from God every day, Brother Gary, in their services. Backslidden people coming to Christ, that's a miracle. People getting off of stretchers and walking healed. They had a death sentence. The doctors had sent them home to die. And there were even ambulances that would bring people over. They'd take them out on a gurney. Bring them up there and you can actually see this footage of people being healed, coming out of wheelchairs. Deliverances, demons crying out. Folks, full gospel ministry, salvation, healing, deliverance. Creative miracles. More than uh, this program could ever even tap the service on. But many of you know what I'm talking about because you've seen some of these videos. I came across A. Allen's ministry, Brother Gary, uh, when I was still in Panama back around 2005. And I was interested in the subject of deliverance, and I got on YouTube. And I came across some of these old videos, Miracles Today, black and white. Someone had copied and put up on the Internet, and I said, man, this is an amazing man. Listen to him preach. I haven't heard preaching like this in a long time since the early church of the 70s that I grew up in. 70s and 80s. And uh, I said, oh God. I can feel the Holy Spirit just listening to these programs. Nobody can preach like that sample I just prayed if the Holy Ghost is not with them and God is not with them. And you don't hear that kind of preaching by and large today. You hear everything else. But when was the last message you heard from a televangelist out there or your local church where the Holy Ghost pricked your spirit? And you felt that it was time to make things right with the Lord because if you stepped out of that church, it may be your last opportunity. I've been in services just like that. I grew up in them. Because people were sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ, brother. They were called by God and they were faithful about preaching God's gospel with signs that would follow. And... Uh, the church of today has lost much of that in favor of being people pleasers and worship team music and they spend more time on their music sets than they do on the word of God anymore. What a travesty. I'm embarrassed and ashamed to go into many of the churches today because it's not the church that I grew up in. I took a little time, some people don't know much about me, to put a little bio up of some of my family members. Brother Gary, I'm a fourth generation minister. I've got a godly heritage that I wouldn't trade for the world. I'm thinking, what if I had been born in Indonesia to a Muslim or Hindu family? I might not have a dog's chance. But God wants to save everybody. That's why the Great Commission said, go into the world and preach ye the gospel. And if we don't do it, many people are not going to be saved, and they're going to go into eternity lost. The church should be about the business of winning souls. I would really like to see a poll of most churches. How many souls did you win in the last year? And I'm not talking about how big your church is based on the fact that people came from the other side of town. They were in a little church and they want to be part of the crowd. I was in one city and about every person I asked said, where do you go? Oh, I go up here to this big mega church. 
I'm like, you do? Yeah, some people just go where the crowds go, you know. That doesn't mean that because your church has a lot of people that those are recent converts to Christ. The truth of it is people switch churches all the time and that doesn't mean anything, but how many really came to Christ, gave their lives to Christ? Not many. The reality to be known. Is deliverance going on? Probably not. It's starting to pick up a little bit, praise God. More than when I got started in this 13 years ago on podcast radio. There wasn't anybody even casting out demons on podcast. They told me it couldn't be done, Brother Gary. They said, why would you do that? You put someone in danger. I said, what danger are they in? Is not Jesus present where two or three are gathered in his name? You don't have faith that God's not able to protect somebody that we're praying for? And we've proven that time after time over the years. We don't do deliverance like we should now. That's coming back. God will I've seen God do miraculous things. Deliver people. I've seen things I never saw in my life. Once God made it apparent to me what was missing, brother, in the churches, and that was one-fourth of Jesus Christ's ministry deliverance. I used to say it was one-third, but I recalculated. Brother Gary, as I see it, Jesus came to preach the gospel. He cast out devils. He healed the sick. And then he did creative miracles like turning the water into wine. Well, we could also say raise the dead. Because he did. At any time you want to jump in, Brother Gary, feel free. And my point being is uh, the Lord showed me deliverance was missing. And through a rapid series of events, I got drawn into it. And I said, God, what I've done up to this point has been nothing for you. I'm 40 years old. I surrender to you. I want to do something before I give up the ghost. My life's got to count for something. I know it was called to do something more. And of course, I had been involved in ministry and supported many ministries. We'd given tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to ministry through a business God had given me. Uh, A business that people said was crazy. People were saying to try for this property now is crazy. The people are coming on the Facebook wall and mocking us. They're saying you'll never do it. What kind of Christian brother would come over and discourage you from trying to say you'll never do it? It's impossible. And I realize it's not a person, it's a demon speaking through individuals trying to stop us. Like they tried to stop Nehemiah from building the rebuilding the walls of the Lord. A man contacted me that I do not know prior to this email. A man out there, I will not name him yet unless he chooses to be named. But he wrote me, Brother Gary, and said he had been crying for three days in Travel. God put a burden in his heart for Miracle Valley, Arizona. He's been monitoring the things and God said there are people who want my property for other purposes than I desire. I'm paraphrasing. I want to rebuild my church there. There are others that do not. I don't want it for any other reason. I want to rebuild my church, he said. And the brother heard an appeal that we put out on YouTube. He said, that's what God put in my heart, deliverance ministry, rekindling the fires of revival, power evangelism, which is what should be taking place down there again. And I don't know, Brother Gary, 48 hours ago, I queried the people out there, 
I said, should we do it? And a lady contacted me out of the blue. She says, I don't even know you. I heard the video that you did. God told me to send you $3,000 as a pledge to do this. I have people calling me saying, oh, we need deliverance in Bisbee and the cities there in Miracle Valley that surround it. They said, we got a lot of witchcraft down here. We need deliverance. And you know, brother, that's really my burden. It has been for 13 years now. I said, this is what was missing. And I, I shared my biography. I was raised in the church, Brother Gary. My grandfather and grandmother Weber called in the ministry in 1955. Now, Brother Gary, some would say you have to have Bible school before you answer the call of the Lord. What do you say? No. My grandmother and granddad, Brother Gary, they had no Bible school. But they had the Holy Ghost. And they had what was called a baptismal certificate. You know what that is? <laughs> yes. It means you've been water baptized. They give you a certificate in some churches. Brother, my grandmother got the Holy Ghost praying at home as granddad was out at work and she would put the babies down for bed and go in and pray on her knees and got filled with the Holy Ghost. Then my great uncle Johnny, which is my granddad's brother, that's her, her brother-in-law, he was in the Air Force, got filled with the Holy Ghost and God said, you're going to serve me or you're not going to live very long. And he had two close calls where he was almost bit by a rattlesnake or water moccasin. And each time the Lord re- reminded him, you need to give your life over to me, Johnny. A tornado came through Warner Robins in the uh, 50s. It was so bad that literally cars were lifted up and wrapped around telephone poles. I can only imagine the horror of that. And once again, the word of the Lord came to my great-uncle Johnny. You need to serve me because your time is running out. And one day, my Uncle Johnny said, I've run long enough. And he gave his life over to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Ghost. He came home one day to visit his brother, my grandfather Weber, married to my grandmother Wheatus, who had gotten the Holy Ghost prior. And he came in there, and he just speaking in tongues. He was drunk in the Holy Ghost. And my, my grandfather looked up at him. He was laying in bed and said, I want some of that. Next thing you know, he was. they laid hands on him. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, they were not yet in the ministry, but they were very active in their church. Edmund Chapel, Tombs County, Lyons, Georgia. Uh, a job capping tires took my grandfather over to Macon, Georgia, and he capped tires for a living. They also did some painting. And my grandmother one day got the call to go to the mission fields. Now she thought at first she was going to go to India. But the mission fields God was actually calling her, she found out, was the mission fields of Texas. And there were a number of churches they did not know at the time that lay dormant. They had no pastor. And these are old-timey churches back in the 50s. Some of them had been built decades before. And some of them, all they had was an outhouse to go to the bathroom. Could you imagine? you got to leave the church today and go to the Johnny. (laughs) But that's the way it was. Some poor churches, no pastors. They were drying up. The sheep were dying, no, no shepherd. And the Lord touched my grandmother and called her first. And actually, it goes back even a few years earlier. My grandmother was, well, she was 19 years old, Brother uh, brother Gary, 
her mother, my great granny, had cancer. And she had a death sentence. My grandmother Mead. And my grandmother, her daughter, began to pray for her mother and told the Lord, Lord, I will serve you if you heal my mother. And my grandmother Weber gave her life to the Lord and served the Lord till she went home in 2011. At the same time, my great-granny told the Lord, if you will heal me of cancer, I will never cut my hair again. Now, I remember my great-granny, Brother Gary. She was an she was a, uh, a country woman from South Georgia, but she also had about a quarter Indian in her. I don't know what tribe, but she was Indian. And I remember my great-granny, she had gray hair and wore it up in what was called a cummerbund. Do you remember a cummerbund? Yeah. It looked like a big ball in the back of your head, for those who don't know. And they had little pins in there to hold it up. And, brother, I remember her visiting in my teens when my grandparents had churches and she would come up sometime for the summer and stay and she would let down her hair brother Gary and this hair went down past her calves to about her knees and I didn't know at that time later learned out it's because she had never cut her hair and when she would take that thing out it would be long all the way down well she kept her promise to the Lord never cut her hair the length of it I don't know if she trimmed the bangs but she didn't cut the length. My grandmother never went back. My, that was a great granny. My grandmother Weber never went back on the Lord either, and she preached her verse revival at 19. So here we are. God is calling them to get into the ministry in the early 50s. The Lord speaks to my grandmother Weber one night and says, Wheatus, I have called you and your family into service. I'm paraphrasing. And I want you to go Sunday night, midnight, no sooner, no later. Now, that's the exact words he said. You leave Sunday night, midnight, no sooner, no later. Now, Brother Gary, I don't know if people have faith for that today. I have uh, had a similar walk a couple times, I will tell you. And um, it takes a leap of faith. Abraham believed the Lord and set off for a city he did not know of where he was going. God's looking for that kind of faith today. He's still the same God. And he still does things like that today. It's miraculous when you hear about these stories. Grandmother obeyed God. She went ahead and went into action. They were living in an apartment. She sold all the furniture. Granddad gets home from work, Brother uh, Brother Gary, and there's no furniture in the house. No bed, no sofa, no no kitchen table. Weedus, what did you do? She said, Sylvan, I got to obey God. He told us that we're to leave and hit the road and work for him. Going to Texas. Leave Sunday night, midnight, no sooner, no later. Well, simultaneously, Granddad's brother, Uncle Johnny, had had the same calling. God told him to go. So his time in the Air Force was up, and he put in his resignation. Him and his wife, Atsua, they met with my grandparents. They all said, we're going to obey the Lord, and we're going to set off for this great adventure. They had kids, of course, my mom, my uncle and aunt. Grandmother had two brothers, actually, I found out, who went on the road. And they took a trip, brother, off to Texas. Never been to to Texas before. It was like a 1,000-mile trip, 1,200 miles, whatever it is. Brother, they set off in about 1955. They just knew they were going to Texas. They had no idea exactly where they were to go. 
But they believed the Lord would guide them. He had already told them to leave. Surely he'll give us instructions. And he did along the way. They'd pull over on the side of the road, Brother Gary, along the highway. And a state trooper pulls up and he sees these cars pulled off the side of the road. People outside walking around over there in the ditch with their hands up, praying, speaking in tongues. He's like, what's going on over here? And one of them said, we're just out here praying. The Lord has called us to hit the road and we're trying to get our bearings. He said, okay then. And he went on down the way. One of them gave a word in tongues and then the interpretation came and God gave them the actual coordinates for the next city to go. Make a long story longer. They get to that city. They had a Church of God Minutes book, which is a directory. It shows all the Church of Gods, which they remember of. Church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Perry Stone, Paula White. Maybe you all know some of those names out there. Jensen Franklin. That's a church I grew up in. And they got the, the home office there um, of, I guess, the, the local overseer there in that city. And they went over there went into the office, met, and he said, what can I do for you all? And they said, well, the Lord sent us out of here. And uh, we're here to serve the Lord. And he sends them over to a local pastor. Her name was Sister Keys. She was part Indian also, as I found out. Brother Gary, you follow me so far? Yeah. They, they end up at the doorstep of Sister Keys' house. Knock on the door. Now, this was a godly woman. I think she was a large part Indian, as I mentioned. She served the Lord. She invited him in, and she didn't waste any time. She said, uh, why don't we just pray? She began to pray, went into tongues, and the Lord gave her a word, interpretation. These are my servants, use them. She said, well, that settles that. Fed them, they stayed the night, and she said, I'm going to send you over here to a church. I want you, We're going to hold a revival. I want you all to preach. Well, at that time, it was started out my grandmother and then her brother-in-law my granddad's brother uncle great uncle johnny granddad was just kind of going along to see what was going to happen he was saved but he hadn't had the activation yet to go into full-time ministry but what can he do his wife's taken off with the kids he gets out there grandmother and uncle johnny are taking turns um, preaching and they would pray for people that revival lasted about four weeks if i recall it culminated in Sister Key said, well, look, well, I'll tell you what. We've got a couple churches. They need a pastor. You all want to go? Sends granddad and grandmother out to a, a church. And Uncle Johnny and Aunt Sue out to another city. They ended up staying almost 15 years in Texas. Grandmother and granddad went out and began to pastor their first church. And that church had no parsonage. That's a house that's usually set up on the property for the pastor to live. Brother, it had no bathroom. It was outside. And... Uh, up behind the choir there was a choir loft area if you will mini apartment and that's where they lived and they started that church I think I have a tape of a broadcast that they recorded there in the late 50's and they began to pastor granddad ended up uh, pastoring full time grandmother with him and they served for a few years and they had the calling to go back to Georgia and went back to a church that they had started at and pastor that too. It's still there today. It's called Edmonds Chapel. They were there many years. And while they were out in Texas, I didn't mention this, the general overseer caught wind of uh, this revival that had broken out, and he went in there and looked into it, and he got a little bit jealous and said, who are these people? Where do they come from? What Bible school? I'm going to do some calling. He called, he said, who are y'all? And 
grandparents said, well, we're from um, we're from Edmund Chapel back in uh, Lyons, Georgia. The overseer calls back there and got a hold of the pastor and pastor said, I know these, these young couples. They love Jesus. They're servants of the Lord. He vouched for them. But that, that wasn't enough for him. He had to go in and look in and talk to the local pastor and say, what do you think? He said, God's hands on them. I'm seeing the power of God in these services. And that was the end of that. God used them. And they pastored churches. Granddad and Grandmother Weber, end up, my grandparents got called back to Georgia, pastored that church, and then that started a, a career that went over 50 years. Uh, it culminated one time they were appointed as general overseer by the Church of God for the islands of Trinidad and Tobago in the 80s. I grew up in this church. Simultaneously, on my other side of the family, we had a four-generational heritage of people serving the Lord. My great-grandfather was a, a pastor with the Church of God. His son, my granddad Davis, at 17, lied about his age so he could get into the Air Force. He had to be 18, apparently, at that time. And um, they took him. He spent a career in the military, was sent over to Libya, Africa. I found out later he was involved in some of the bombing runs over Vietnam. They would fly from Africa to Vietnam, drop the bomb, and come back, be gone for days at a time. But he had the calling of God on his life, and during that time, his son, my father, who was 15, got bone cancer, Brother Gary. They had to fly him over to Wiesbaden, Germany, to be examined, and he had cancer. And my grandfather Davis, who was the son of a preacher, had a calling on his life, Brother Gary, running from the Lord. He would gamble, he would smoke and drink, like you might do in the military. It was pretty common. And here is his son. My father is about to die. Granddad got convicted of the Holy Spirit, got on his knees as the story was told to me, and said to the Lord, You heal my son, Ray. I will surrender my life to you. Well, God did exactly what he was asked, but he expected my grandfather to hold up the end of the bargain. God heals my dad. Granddad gave his life over to Jesus. He stopped playing cards, stopped smoking, stopped drinking. His time in Libya ends, and it brings him back to Warner Robins, Georgia, where my grandfather Weber now is at. God called him to Warner Robins, and they spent 10 years there, built a church there, the Southside Church of God, Granddad back in the early 60s moonlighted because at the time they didn't have enough to pay him full time and he would paint and he got a job at the local radio station. They began to do uh, a program called Operation Evangelism and then as money picked up he was able to to go full time as pastor and not have to work the side jobs and they built up a church and a parsonage and he served there 10 years down near the, near the big Air Force Base. Well my grandfather Davis was rotated back to Warner Robins, Georgia comes back, he's looking for a church ends up at my granddad Weber's church that's how my dad met my mom fast forward dad's 19, he goes to church of God in Lee College over Christmas decided to drop out and marry my mom and then they were going to go back to school as a couple that's during Vietnam and they picked him up if you got out of college you go right up, priority and he got his draft notice He's drafted at 19. A year later, I'm born, and thank God they didn't send him to Nam. I don't know if he'd have survived. He got orders to Okinawa. While he was over there, God got on him hard. He had a calling on his life. He began to 
get involved with the Church of God mission over there in Okinawa, began to preach when he came back to the States and got in the ministry. Ended up as an associate pastor for my grandfather Weber, my mother's uh, father. And uh, Dead would for a time be in the ministry, had an exhorter license with the Church of God. That made him a third generation minister. And then um, he ended up getting a job working with Pat Robertson of um, 700 Club, went on to work with uh, Lester Summerall. I remember going to Lester Summerall's church at age seven. Got to meet the man of God, amazing guy. And later on, Dad would uh, move on into uh, television ministry. And before he died, he had the world's largest religious agency. They had the accounts of Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar, T.D. Jakes, Feed the Children. They had 130 clients. Now, Dad, for a while, was in the ministry, but then he left it to go into a medium. He was a third-generational preacher. I would be number four on that side. And then on my mom's side, my grandfather Weber, of course, worked for the Lord up until age 90. He went home about a year and a half ago. Grandmother went before him. I can remember a time, Brother Gary, growing up, where in the summer we would be staying with the grandparents and be at one grandparent's house um, for Sunday. That would be Granddad Weber's. But also that Friday night we'd be at Grandmother Granddad Davis's church. They'd have church over there too. We would go like double church because they all had churches in Georgia and Atlanta within reasonable proximity. We were raised in the church. My earliest recollection on planet Earth, age two, playing on the steps of the parsonage over there at Southside Church of God that my grandfather built working for the Lord. All I've known is a church, Brother Gary. Yet for 40 years, I did nothing for the Lord. I was a Christian. I was raised in the church. And at one time in my life, I backslid and I was headed for hell. But I had a praying grandmother that I mentioned, Grandmother Wheatus, and prayed for me and would call me. Son, you must sell out. The Lord's getting ready to pour out his wrath and you better get out of his way. Give your life to Jesus. She prayed for me and I came around. Praise God. And then I remember uh, many a call from her. The Lord would speak. Son, the Lord said he has a word he wants you to speak. One time she called me up and said, the Lord told me to call you. Pack your bags. You're getting ready to move. Also, I want to tell you, I saw pills of fire. I've told that story before. We were in Costa Rica. 72 hours later, there were two volcanoes that began to ignite, put the fear of God in me. God showed me that I was not to stay in Costa Rica. It was time for a move. I said, God, I have no money to move. In fact, I need to go down and probably sell my firearms to raise a little bit more cash. I'm over here in Costa Rica. I got 700 bucks to my name. And uh, the call came in, and I said, well, God, I'll obey you, but you've got to open up that door, or I'm stuck here. God made a way. I sold everything I had, which was almost a miracle in itself, in 72 hours, had the cash to go. God opened the door, moved me out of there, went to uh, Cartagena, Columbia for a few months, there, God gave me a multi-million dollar business. People said it would never happen. I saw another miracle. I saw miracle after miracle. We began to fund ministry. Fast forward to 2005. Brother Gary, I'm in Panama running a multi-million dollar business. And the call came in. Son, the Lord told me to call. He said, he has a word you want to speak. He wants you to speak. God began to put on my heart podcasting. But I didn't know the first thing about how to do it. 
But I knew maybe if I bought the same equipment, Brother Gary, that uh, the creator of podcasting, if you will, Adam Curry used, <laughs> and I contacted Adam to get that list of what he was using, maybe I could pull it off. So I began to buy the equipment and just lay it up. And fast forward, a few years down the road, I still had not went into ministry. The economy crashed. I find myself this time in Costa Rica. The business that God had given me with a daily mana drop, it was amazing, for four years, had drawn, dried up. And looking back in retrospect, if God hadn't done it, I would not have entered the ministry at that time. I would have kept on going, making money. And now I had some free time. My business has stopped. The economy has collapsed. Obama is coming to office. So many questions. What's the future? And I moved out of the States back to Costa Rica. I'm sitting over there doing nothing. But I'm listening to some of these audios from the great Wynn Worley. A deliverance minister, Brother Gary. And God convicted me. And I said, God, I need to do something for you. If not now, when? And at 40 years old, I said, God, use me. I want to get involved in this amazing thing that I'm witnessing, deliverance. We didn't have this in any of the churches I grew up either. They loved Jesus, they preached the gospel, they spoke in tongues, they prayed for people, but I never saw deliverance because they told me a Christian can't have a demon, basically. Well, that was wrong, I learned. We can have anything we open the door to if we want to. And so, the Lord pinned me down and I said, Lord, I just give my life to you. I want to make my life count for something. Use me to give the devil two black eyes and kick him in the nuts. And if you've got to do it, detonate me like a nuclear weapon at ground zero of the enemy's camp. I want to go out having made the enemy cry. Now, that's bold to say that. But you've got to understand, uh, I went through a lot. devil had put a number on my family. By that time, he had killed my father at the age of 57 years old. I had to bury him. Buried my grandfather, Davis, at 58. And took out my great-grandfather at 52. What I didn't know on the Davis side, there was a generational curse at work. And that was because of ignorance of deliverance ministry. But I soon found out it was real and what we need to do to break it. And we broke that curse in Jesus' name that was supposed to take me and my brother out. And I began to try to find out anything I could about deliverance. Helped another friend find deliverance speakers for his show. Helped him with his podcast. And But God had an assignment for me. And one day, brother, he told me to pack your bags and get out. And in 2010, I had no option but to obey the Lord. Packed my bag, came back to America. 90 days later, at midnight, we started the program, June twenty second, 2010, I guess it's been, 13 years ago. Went further than anybody ever said we could. Two years ago, to bring us up to speed, I called Paul Allen, the son of A. Allen. I'd had the opportunity to have him on the program back when I was in Vegas, Brother Gary. <clears throat> and, how you doing, Brother Paul? He said, I'm doing Okay. Well, what's new? And he told me about an opportunity he had to restore some of the collection of his dad's Miracles TV program. But he had nobody to help him. Two people that had volunteered both fell through. And I said, I'll do it for free. Just let me have a copy of the shows to watch. He trusted me and sent me some tapes. I took two months off this job here. And I went to work on a salvage project. And I went searching the planet for anything I could find of the A.E. Allen Ministries. Most of the stuff is gone, or it's so rare. If you find it, it can be very expensive. A magazine the other day just sold for two hundred dollars. 
But I begin to find things. And invested time and money in it. Not looking for anything back, but because I had a desire and a hunger and a thirst for what I was hearing. Something that reminded me of the early day church that I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I haven't heard in decades. Those kind of messages that you just started to hear preached by Alan are rare today, sadly. Make a long story longer, Brother Gary. God led me to buy a lot over in Miracle Valley in a subdivision that's right across from A. Allen's church that he built back in 1956. One time, A. Allen even lived there. When he was in town, he would stay at the house. Other times in trailers there on the property. So I put, some, I put my stake in the ground in a place called God's Miracle Valley. Just a little patch of dirt right now, nothing on it. I said, I don't even know what's going on here. How do I find this? What's going on here, God? I, I called up my friend, Dr. Erica Shepherd. I said, Sister Erica, you were at Miracle Valley one time. I can't explain it, but I feel compelled and drawn there. And I saw the state of the church. It was in disrepair. Some good friends of mine doing the best they could to keep it from going into any further disrepair and trying to make repairs on it as they had the money to. Nobody's ever had the money to actually bring it back like it deserves but they've tried and if they hadn't tried there would be nothing left now a year and a half ago the property is seized by the state for some back taxes that were not owed by my friends but another group and because they couldn't pay the property was seized and even a few months ago the state of Arizona had plans to raise the property to the ground they were looking at taking bids for people to come over and scrap God's church That means a group of infidels, Brother Gary, were going to come in and cannibalize the church that God had A. Allen build and rip off the timber that's still there and the metal, break it down, and just leave a concrete slab. And a great-granddaughter of A. Allen, Rebecca Allen Jones, went in there and led an effort, and they were able to stop that from being demolished. Fast forward... As we speak this week, the remaining 37.5 acres of A. Allen's core buildings, that's all that survived, but at least the core, the church, cafeteria, some other buildings, it needs a lot of work, but it can be done, is going up for auction, and the starting bid is $325,000. Whoever wins is going to have to pay an 8% buyer's premium, so you're going to need at least three fifty-five to get in. 48 hours ago, I asked God, God, am I to be a part of this? I have zero dollars to invest in it. I put out a query to the people of God out there. Should we do this? Should a mega man try to get this property? Others are working on it right now. Nobody's put in a bid yet. And I made the decision. After hearing back from some people, Brother Gary, yes, we're to go for it. Let's see what God will do. God, you haven't spoken to me one way or the other. But it, it's now or never. I'm going to step out in faith. God, we're going to try for it. If it's your will, it will happen. God before us, who can be against us? And somebody said, I don't know you from Adam. God told me to send you $3,000. I had others begin to to pledge it. I'm not asking for any money. Let me just be clear. Just a pledge. If we get enough to make the minimum bid, then we'll ask you to send it in. But right now, just pledges. Brother Gary, I've had others call me. They've been praying for days, crying for days. Holy Spirit told them that some of the groups out there are going in the wrong direction 
He doesn't want his place changed. He wants his house rebuilt. God wants deliverance to break out over there. And that's been what we've been interested in since we started Mega Man Radio 13 years ago. Full gospel ministry with the first sign that fall. In my name they shall cast out devils. Brother, I got encouraged by some of the messages coming in. And where we're at today, there's about eight days. This was going to take a quick miracle of the Lord. If God is in it, he'll do it. And if he's not in it, it's not going to happen because I have no more lifelines to call on. I know no big money that haven't already tried uh, to buy this property. But God can move on the right people. And if it's his will, brother, it's possible that in about 10 days' time, if we have the money, we could procure that property. That would mean I would move back to the country of America with my family. I'd have to go first, of course. And we would work to get the lights turned on again in that church and get it operational. And rebuild that place as a home base for deliverance worldwide. I got people standing by that would come out there and hold schools of deliverance, run revivals. We could stream it on the internet and later do TV. Later work with anybody that we could get the correspondence Bible school going again. Who knows what could be done? I think it's exciting. Or somebody could come in and raise it all the ground and turn it into a Walmart. We don't know who's going to bid on it. I said, God, you got to give me a sign. Is this from you? And I began to get some people to contact me with words ahead from the Lord. And as I mentioned, Per said, God told me to send you 3000 I don't know you from Adam, but I got the money. And that encouraged me. Here we are only a couple days into it, and I'm about out of time on this program. Suffice to say, folks, pray about your part in this. And if God tells you this is what he wants you involved with, email me. Whatever you can pledge, $5, whatever. We're going to need a war chest to take this property. Again, 325000 just a bid. And if we do that, we need the other 30 that goes along with it. Because if they take the bid, we'll have to pay the buyers 8% fee. So it's three fifty-five. Brother, I went from zero 48 hours ago to we got 11000 right now as I speak, $250. Went from zero to that's a miracle already. It's going to take a lot more. And I'm not going to um, lie. I, I can't do this without the Lord. And if God's will be done, it's going to happen. And God's will be done with Miracle Valley on earth as it is in heaven. If he wants us to do this thing, he's going to bring in the money. And without him, we can do nothing. But perhaps God would have somebody tuning it out there to be one of those to help us. Uh, will you stand with Miracle Valley? Folks out there, Omega Man Radio in the attempt to get Miracle Valley and rebuild it for the Lord, bring deliverance back there that has not been breaking out in over 50 years. Full gospel ministry, healing, salvation, deliverance. Be a place where we could rotate in, men and women of God to preach, hold revivals. It'll be free, no admission, as some charge for their meetings. Absolutely free. And anybody like to come out there and help could help. I've had people already contact me. I don't have any money, but I want to clean toilets and cut grass. One guy said, I want to move out there and live. I said, uh, hold on here for just a minute. 
I'm making note of this. We still need a miracle. But I'm here to tell you, if God performs that miracle, you're welcome. Come on. Anybody would like to come out and help? And I've got friends there, the betting courts, that are already on the ground. Allen family have a great vision for it. We'll bring A. Allen's son, Paul Allen, if he'd like to. He can live on the property till the Lord takes him home. Put him on the board. Melvin Harder next door, an old Church of God preacher. Same church I grew up in. He's got a vision for it. You know, I really think that God wants to bring everybody together. And I've had this thought in my mind, why can't everybody work together? Nobody wants to, apparently. That's not of God. Everybody's got a piece of this puzzle. Is it about one man or one ministry, or is it about the work of the Lord? It's not about me. I'm not putting my name on the building. It's about God. But, Brother Gary, this would be an amazing thing. If, if the Lord is in this, and this miracle happens, a quick miracle, because we only got eight days. This isn't like i got a whole year to raise money. We've got a long way to go yet. And I'm not asking for people to send me any money as I close here tonight. Pray and see if God would have you to be part of this. $5. Putting $5 in would be better than putting nothing in because that $5 is an act of faith, and that means you did what you could. That's a widow's might for some people. You might have to fast your lunch to get the $5 that you would spend buying a cheeseburger combo meal. And I don't mean to sound ridiculous here, Corny, but I'm here to say everybody can do something. And if you believe and you're not willing to sacrifice a $5 burger, what's that say? Dear God, we've got nine people, or eight, excuse me, eight people worldwide that have come forward. I don't know how many people will come forward. At the end of the day, uh, we may not have enough, and God just might tap someone at the last moment to write the check for the whole thing. It's going to take a miracle. I kid you not. But I feel God has, has told me to step out of here, brother. And I have faith to say, with God all things are possible. To him that believe and are called according to his purpose. That's what the word of God says. I'm going to stand on that. If God be for us, who can be against us? God doesn't, if Jesus Christ says, if, if he doesn't build the foundations, he that laboreth, laboreth in vain. So we're consulting the Lord from the foundations on up. We need his help. His will be done. And if it's not his will for me to do it, God bless the one that it is. Uh, but I think we've got an indicator to go for it, brother. And so I said all that to say this. Praise God. We got a golden opportunity. We got one shot at it. We got eight days left. Do you want to join with me? If you do, email me. And again, we won't take a dime until we have enough for the minimum bid. And then, Brother Gary, we're going to bid. We may need more. I don't know what it's going to take to get it ultimately. That's just the minimum. But let's say we're successful. Well, then we're going to move forward. And I'm moving back to America. I'll be down there in Arizona. We'll do a Mega Man radio from the deserts of uh, Cochise County, Miracle Valley. Bring you down to preach, brother. And I'll say this. If uh, we don't win, then 100% of anything donated will go back. Uh, As we're preparing to close, brother, would you pray over this tonight as God leads you? Well, Heavenly Father, you've heard our hearts. You know your plan. You know the calling of our destiny. If this is your plan, Lord, then blast the way open and touch every heart that has listened 
to this uh, commentary and call of the Lord on many people. And, uh, Lord, of course, you will speak to the leaders. And uh, for they are also others that are being trained up in preparation for the things that you have called them to do because it is the final call on their destiny. And Lord, we just uh, place it in your hands. We believe in miracles. We believe in deliverance. And it is setting the captives free. Lord, lead us, guide us in every way. Amen and amen. Folks, it's an honor to be here with Evangelist Gary Stafford. His ministry, JustInTimeMinistries.com And Brother Gary, you have blessed this program more than anybody I know. And we've got some great people in here. They all love Jesus, all doing a fantastic job. But I'll tell you something. Um, you have brought on so many guest speakers. And Brother Gary just doesn't call someone and say, look, I want you to come on to Mega Man, I'm going to give you the mic. Brother Gary first has to interview them. And many times, out of his own pocket, he takes them out to eat if they haven't been local, get a bite to eat, he interviews them, or over the phone, and he spends countless hours on this program to get the testimony so he knows the questions to ask and keep the guest on track and gets them on this program. Brother, you've done more uh, than you'll ever know, and I just want to say we love and appreciate you, and I want to encourage people out there to write Brother Gary. Brother Gary, how do people reach you? Well, JustInTimeMinistries.com is the network, and JustInTimeMinistries15 at at, uh, gmail.com. And folks, Brother Gary isn't 38 years old. Brother Gary, how old are you today, may I ask? Oh, my God. I forgot. Wait a minute. 89 years old. I said that to illustrate. Folks, it's never too late to work for the Lord. By the way, Gary's not the oldest uh, saint we've had on here. We had one brother that worked till 94. Uh, that was Brother Bill French Sr. And the Lord took him. I wouldn't have known his age if he hadn't told me. And you wouldn't know Brother Gary's age if, you hadn't, if I hadn't asked him. But I said that to illustrate. God has given us... Well, you didn't, you didn't tell them that I took my first flight in the Air Force on a May Day call in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And God's grace was upon me. <laughs> and my grandfather was a Methodist minister. Oh, I didn't know that. Brother Gary, the next program we, we, we do, I want you to give us some of that history because I did not know. And I'm going to give you a whole hour to do it. Um, well, I, have no I, idea. I, I, I need three or four. Well, <laughs> We'll do it. We'll break it into parts. But I, I wanted just to say that, that we've got, we've got seasoned saints of God. Okay, we've got, we got people that love Jesus, that are coming here, and Brother Gary has a heart to go as long 
as it can or till the Lord comes back, whichever comes first. Same heart I have here. We don't know how much time we got, but we're here while we, we have the time to work for the Lord. I want to encourage you to go to JustInTimeMinistries.com. Brother Gary, we love you. Thank you for giving me a, a microphone tonight, and uh, I'll see you next week. All right. God bless. God bless you. Coming up, folks, I didn't expect to, to speak tonight. I thought Brother Gary was going to speak, but there we are. Okay, let's get Brother uh, John Trevelyan. Stand by.